uh, again, welcome to Faith. If, you, if you're just joining us on the live stream, uh, thanks for being with us today. Again, my name is Mike, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are about at the end of a series that we have been working through this fall entitled Predecide. Uh, in the series, we've been talking about the, the impact, the power that decisions can have on our lives and have been saying throughout the series that, you know, so often we make our decisions and then in turn, our decisions make us. And uh, while this is true, the, the trouble is we don't always make the best decisions. Sometimes we make decisions that make us and we're not particularly excited about what they've made us into, what, the, what they've done to us, our lives, those our lives impact. And so over the course of this series, we've been looking at six critical areas of our lives and we've been going, hey, rather than waiting until we're right in the middle of a situation in the midst of the uh, emotion and the drama and the pressure to try and figure out who it is that we want to be and how it is that we want to live. What if instead, before we got there, when we had full access to good sense and to God's truth, what if we pre-decided who we wanted to be, how we wanted to live, and we worked to live into that ahead of time so that when we get to that situation, we find ourselves able to live into that the way that we want to. And so, again, each week we're looking at a different pre-decision, and uh, this week we're going to continue on in that. I had a number of people say to me, hey, how, how's this all going to work? Here, here's what happened. We had a youth pastor candidate come out a few weeks ago and kind of like mess up the whole schedule for the series, right? Well worth it, right? You know, Devin uh, is on staff. Uh, he's actually with the middle schoolers this weekend up at Portage Lake. Uh, there's video going around of him running into Lake Michigan. It's how he bribed kids to come. Um, and so uh, when you see him, you can ask him how that went. But uh, we're going to wrap the series up today, even though we've got one week left in the series, and we'll finish uh, things up with the series. We'll do that week on January 1st, just the way all the, the, the things with schedule fell out. That's the way we had to do it. And so if you're like, what about finishers? Pancakes, PJ Sunday, get here, you'll get it, right? So uh, let's take a minute and pray, invite God to be part of this, and then we'll jump into things for this week. Father, just again, um, just pray that you would meet us in this time as we've taken time to remember and to celebrate and to mourn those that we have lost. Um, Father, we just pray just for comfort and for healing and for peace for hearts that are feeling that. Fathers, as we continue in this series, and uh, today we think about um, what does it look like to be generous? I uh, just pray that you would meet us in that. For people who have shown up to church for the first time, when we're talking about money, I pray that they would not run out when everybody's eyes are closed and everybody's heads bow. Um, but instead, you just help us to have a, a conversation about your truth for this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, we're going to start with a survey here. And uh, we'll put our first question up on the screen. I would just have you just think about this in your own head. You don't need to tell your neighbor or shout it out. Uh, but for you, when it comes to money and stuff, what kind of person do you want to be? When it comes to your money, when it comes to your stuff, in reality, never mind what people are thinking, in reality, what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be known as a giver or a taker? Do you want to be somebody who lives with open hands or closed fists? 
You want to be selfless or selfish. You want to be benevolent or greedy. When it comes to money and stuff, you want to be generous. Now, as we sit here and we think through these questions, probably some of us are going, no, I, 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 want, I want to be a giver. I want to live with open hands. I want to be selfless. I want to be malevolent. Like, how many of you are like, you know what? When it comes to my money and stuff, I want to be generous. All right? And then some of us are maybe sitting here thinking, we're going, no. I want to be a taker. Close fist. That's me, right? Like, anybody willing to admit? You, you, thought there, you, you sat there and you thought, I want to be greedy. Anybody? No, oh, Bill. All right, thank you. All right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but like, and here's the deal. If you're like, I'm not admitting that in church, but that's what you thought. Here, today's message probably is not going to help you, all right? Just do what you're doing. You're going to get there just fine, all on your own, okay? But if, if you say here and you thought, no, I want to be generous, here's what we need to understand. And we've been saying this throughout this series. The things that we're talking about in this series, the, the, the kind of characteristics that, that we want to embrace, these aren't things that happen by accident. Like, generosity is not something we'll just fall into. Nobody ever just woke up one day and was like, oh my goodness, I don't know how it happened, but like, I tithe, and I, I give offerings, and, and I see people who don't have enough money for groceries, and I buy food for them, and I see folks who are struggling to pay their rent, and I take care of their rent. I, I don't know how it happened. I just kind of stumbled into this thing where, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm funding ministry, and I'm helping people go on mission trips, and, and one day I just, I, I just, like, turned around, and I don't know how this took place, but, like, I'm giving more and more, and God's blessing me more and more, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have an inheritance to leave for my kids and my grandkids. Yeah, right, you know? It just, it doesn't happen like that by accident, that is something that we have to pre-decide to do. Generosity is something that beforehand we've got to get figured out and decide to live into. And so today we want to, we want to look at what does it take to pre-decide to be generous? And I want to suggest to you today that pre-deciding to be generous, it, it begins with addressing some misconceptions. It continues with embracing the right plan, and then it concludes with living into it. And so today as we, we seek to pre-decide to be generous, we're going to try and address some misconceptions, embrace the right plan, and then begin to live into it. And so we'll start with the misconceptions. And there are a couple of misconceptions when it comes to generosity. If we're going to pre-decide to do this, we've got to get our brains wrapped around. And so in an effort to address these misconceptions, we're going to look at a story that Jesus told, and then an incident that Jesus highlighted. And we'll start with the story. It's a, it's a fairly familiar story. Jesus told this story, and it, it begins like this. It's a story Jesus told to try and move his audience away from greed and towards generosity. So Jesus tells this parable, and he says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. All right, so as Jesus begins here, he's dealing with a guy who's got money. And, and that doesn't make him a hero doesn't make him a villain. Like, the, at, biblically speaking, the absence or presence of money in somebody's life doesn't speak to how good or how bad they are. All right? This guy, though, he happens to be wealthy, and he lives in an in, in a agrarian society. Basically, your crops are a big part of your wealth. 
And in Jesus' story, this guy has a big harvest come in. So in Jesus' story, the rich get richer. All right? Now, th this guy's wealth comes in and he thinks to himself, right, what shall I do? He says, I've got no place to store my crops. All right? Th this guy's had this big old crop yield come in. All right? He's already got enough resources to, you know, to do food, transportation, clothing, housing for himself and his family. But now he's got enough that's come in in this latest harvest. He's going, I got nowhere to put it all. Now, it's not that he does not have any barns at all. Right, we're we're going to see in a minute that, that he, it's not that he doesn't have anywhere to store his barns. It's just that in his world, resources and banking are nuanced differently than they are in our world. All right? so in our world, we deal with currency. So you go to work, you get paid, probably you know, you've got direct deposit. Just the, 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 the currency goes right into your account. And if you get a bonus, you know, oftentimes it'll come in a check and you just take that to the bank and you put it into the account. And if you, you know, receive some kind of an inheritance, more often than not, it's in currency. And even when it isn't, you can sell it and turn it into currency and you can put it into the bank. And chances are, none of us have ever gotten a phone call from our bank where they said to us, hey, we're really sorry. Your account's maxed out. We just can't fit any more money into your accounts, right? You probably never had that happen, right? It's a different world. Again, he lives in an agrarian society. His, his wheat represents his wealth. And he's had this massive harvest come in. You know, and it's, it's not just a good harvest that fills his barns. It is a great harvest that exceeds the capacity of his current barns. So he thinks to himself, all right, this is what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. Now, before we get too judgy and condemn our guy, we want to be careful. Because in condemning him, we could condemn ourselves as well. Because I would contend our guy's really just a good American, and he's really just doing what we've been doing for decades. For example, average home in the United States in 1950 was 1,000 square feet. 1970, it jumped up to about 1,500 square feet. 2000, it jumped up to about 2,200 square feet. Today, average home in America is about 2,500 square feet. And yet, since 1950, the average size of a family in the United States has consistently gotten smaller. And still, <laughs> we can't fit all our stuff into our... We got fewer people, homes that are two and a half times larger, and all kinds of us still can't get all our stuff into our homes. I, I won't make you raise your hand. But how many of us can't get our car into our garage today because it's still full of our stuff, right? In fact, some of us, not only do we have these houses that are two and a half times bigger with fewer people living in them, we can't get our cars in the garage, and we rent additional space for all of our stuff, right? I just, we are a people of bigger barns. 
this guy is just, he would fit in great here in the United States, right? So he's, he just thinks, you know, I'm just going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. I'm going to put my stuff in there. And then he has this conversation with himself. He says to himself, self? And self says, yes. He says, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then God interrupts his conversation. And God says to him, come on on back, come on back. There we go. God says to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Now again, money's not the problem here. Money's not the issue. In fact, listen, if you are convinced that money in and of itself is inherently evil. Come and see me after church. I love you. I will help you rid yourself of that wickedness. I have multiple ways we can do this, okay? Money's not the problem. The problem is this man finds himself making decisions in the heat of the moment. And as he makes decisions, his decisions begin to make him. And so Jesus offers this commentary as as he gets to the end of this man's story. Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves and is not rich towards God. Now, there are all kinds of truths that we could mine out of Jesus' story. Today, we're going to limit ourselves to just one idea as it relates to this idea of generosity and misconceptions. And the misconception I want us to get from, from Jesus' story is this. I'll be generous when I have more. I can't be generous right now, but when I've got more money, I'll be generous then. I'll be gen- so when we think of generosity, it's so easy to think, I'll be generous when I have more. Part of why Jesus told that story is to help us address this misconception. The man in his story had more money than he'd ever had before. And it didn't make him more generous. Because more money doesn't make us more generous. More money simply makes us more of what we already are. More money doesn't change who we are. More money just reveals who we already are. I'm not going to be generous when I have more unless I'm already generous when I have less. If I'm going to be generous later when I have more, I need to pre-decide to be generous now even when I have less. Because if, if I'm not generous when I have less, I won't be generous when I have more. I'll just find a way to build a bigger barn. And so Jesus tells a story to, 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 to just put his finger on this misconception and help us get past this idea of, well, I'll be generous when the, the, the bills get paid off and when the kids are through school and when I get a raise and when, when, when. Now Jesus is going, no, no, no. If we're going to be generous then, we've got to pre-decide to be generous now. Because this idea of I'll be generous when I have more, it's a misconception. If I'm going to be generous when I have more, I've got to be generous when I have less. 
So that's the story that Jesus tells, and that's the first misconception he gets after. Let's look next at the incident that Jesus highlights. It's recorded for us in Mark's biography of Jesus' life, and Jesus says this. He says, uh, Mark records, he says, Jesus sat down in a place where the offerings were being put, and watching the crowd put their money into the temple treasury. So it's, it's a weekend at church, say, and, and Jesus is there at church, and giving in that particular context, um, it's kind of a public thing. You had this, this room in the temple, it was known as the Court of Women, it was a very public space, and in the room you had these receptacles that people put their offering into. They were kind of shaped like a trumpet, you know, like narrow at the top and wide at the bottom, and they were deep. And folks would come and they would put their offering into there, and, and th- their offering would be cash-based. It would be in coins. And so when you dropped your offering in there, like if it was a lot, people heard that whoosh, as it hits the bottom. If it's not a lot, people heard that plunk, plunk. Right? It was a very public kind of thing. You know, I mean, it'd be like imagine a Sunday here at Faith Covenant Church. You cannot text to give, you cannot give online. You know, you can't put your offering in, a, in an envelope and just discreetly put it into the plate, you know. Instead, you know, like Jesus, you know, I mean, in this, Jesus is watching people, right, just hawking them out as they're giving their offerings, you know. So imagine, I don't know, Pastor James, right? Who, who can see Pastor James doing something like this, right? Yeah, right, okay. So he's back there just watching, like, who's given this week? Who's not giving this week? He's counting the bills. He's checking the figures on the check, you know? That'd be awkward. That's enough to make you look for another church, right? So Jesus, he's there watching this go on. And then Jesus sees this. He sees many rich rich people who threw in large amounts. But then a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins that are only worth a few cents. And at this point, Jesus begins to freak out. He's like, Peter, come here. John, forget that. Come on over here. You guys got to see this. And Jesus tells him, he says, truly I tell you, this poor widow, I, I don't know if you like went over there and pulled her over. I mean, you want to talk about awkward, right? This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They're like, Jesus... How does the math for that work? He says, they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, putting in everything she had to live on. Now, again, so much we can learn from this interaction that Jesus is highlighting. We're going to limit ourselves to one idea, again, meant to go after the next misconception that comes with generosity. And the misconception is this. Generosity is about an amount. See, so often it's easy to think, okay, somebody really drops down some serious coin, that's generosity. So like back in 2019, Robert F. Smith led the commencement address at Morehouse College. And at the end of his speech, he informed all of the graduating seniors that he was going to pay off all of their student loans. $40 million in student loans paid off by one man in one day. We hear that and we're like, that's generous, right? And 
Maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. Because in the mind of Jesus, generosity isn't so much about an amount as it is a heart. In the mind of Jesus, somebody can give some, like this huge amount, and it can lack generosity. And somebody else can give something very small, and it can be incredibly generous. And in the mind of Jesus, somebody could give something small and have a lack of generosity, and somebody could give a really large amount, and it could be generous, because for Jesus, it isn't so much about the amount as it is about the heart. Everybody who went before that woman, they gave greater amounts than she did. But they gave out of their abundance. They had plenty of money left over. Go out to, you know, they're going to go out to lunch you know, after church that day. They're not going to feel it. It's not going to create any kind of pinch. It's not going to change your standard of living at all. But this woman, we're told she gave everything that she had to live on that day. So she, while what she gave was numerically less, it's given out of a heart of sacrifice. Like, unless something unexpected happens, she isn't going to eat that night. And, and, and is missing a meal going to kill somebody? No. But you're going to feel that. And while what she gave was numerically less, she gave out of a heart that trusted God. She's trusting God's going to come through physically in a way that I don't expect, or God's going to meet me emotionally and spiritually as I live with less for the rest of this day. And she gave out of a heart that prioritized God. In her giving, she is saying to God, God, you come first. You get my best, you get my first. And not only is she speaking to her, her, her God, she's also speaking to her money. She's saying, money, you don't own me. You don't get to sit on the throne of my heart. You are not the most important thing in my life. I'm going to prove it to you. Watch this. I'm going to give you away. See, for, generos for Jesus, generosity isn't so much about an amount, it's about a heart. It's about a heart that's willing to sacrifice for God, a heart that's willing to trust God, a heart that's willing to prioritize God above all else. So pre-deciding to be generous, it starts when we address the misconceptions, but then it continues as we embrace the right plan. Because if, if I haven't got the right plan embraced, I can address the misconceptions. I'm not going to be generous unless I've got the right plan. Now, at the risk of being oversimple, I, I would contend there's basically two different plans that we see in, in our world today. First one's our culture's plan. That's a pretty simple plan, all right? I get income. God blesses me with resources. And then I spend more than I make. All right? I got plastic fantastic. I can take loans or whatever. I'm going to spend more than it's coming in. And when I spend more that's coming in, I've got no margin. I'm like one emergency away from disaster, right? And that creates all kinds of stress and anxiety. And, you know, I'm worried about the bills and I'm fighting with my spouse about money. And I'm up at night because, you know, the way things are going financially. And I think, you know, man, I'd really love to be generous. And then I soothe my conscience with something like, I'll be generous when I have more. Now, if this is the plan I've embraced, the idea of giving generously, I'm going to be struggling to eat and live indoors. 
I'm never going to find myself in a place where I'm going to be able to be generous. So this is one plan. Plan number one, it's the plan that is most prevalent in our culture today. Plan number two is God's plan. People who are generous break this cycle, and they instead, they embrace this plan. Again, income comes in. God blesses me with resources. And then with God's plan, I give, I save, and I live on the rest. It's a simple thing. Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to go over all the biblical passages that talk about each of these. But with God's plan, you read through the scriptures, the theme is repeated again and again. We give. The, the first and the best. The first 10% of my income goes back to God to support the community of faith that I'm a part of. The Bible calls it a tithe. And, and with a tithe, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to give God my first and best, even if it means I have to sacrifice. Even if it means that like, I have to trust that I can do more with God in 90% than I can by myself with 100%. I'm going to give back to God, even if it means I'm going to have to prioritize him over other things in my life. I'm going to give, and then I'm going to save. And while I would argue the scriptures give us a percentage of 10% for giving, I don't know if the scriptures give us a percentage for saving. But some of the best minds in our world today will say, hey, give 10%, save 10%. Put away 10% of what comes in for emergencies and for the future. Create some margin so you're not all stressed out when something happens. And then you live on what's rest. I figure out a way to, to work out my expenditures to fit within that other 80%, even if that means I need to change my standard of living. I'm going to give, I'm going to save, and I'm going to live on the rest. This kind of plan creates an opportunity for me to give generously. This kind of plan makes it nearly impossible. And again, it's a heart thing. Because in order to live like this, I've got to have a heart that's willing to prioritize God, trust God, and sacrifice for God. So we're going to address the misconceptions, we're going to embrace the right plan, and then we're going to live into it. Because, listen, all day long and go, hey, these are, I need to change the way that I'm thinking about resources in order to be generous. That's great. I need to embrace the right plan. That's great. But unless I live into that plan, I'm not going to be able to be generous. I have to take action. Now, action looks different for different people. The, some folks have lived into our culture's way of doing resources for so long, they find themselves in such a deep hole, they cannot pay their own bills, let alone think about being generous. And if that's you, you are not the first person to do that. You're not the last person to do that. And you're not the only person sitting in this room or watching online who's in that place right now. But if that is you, I want to encourage you, take action. And, and perhaps the best action you could take is to sign up for Financial Peace University. Financial Peace University is a program that is put on by Dave Ramsey Ministries. It is excellent. My wife and I have taken it multiple times. This link is in your digital bulletin. You could jump online this afternoon. You could find a class on Zoom. Take it right from your own home. You can find classes that are meeting live in the area. They will help you figure out how to dig out of that hole. 
for some of us who have embraced our culture's way of doing finances for such a long time that we're in the hole, this is where we start. Others of us, though, we're in a different place. Others of us are in a place where we could give generously. And action begins as we do that. And listen, I get the resistance that comes with that. Like, I remember after becoming Christian, the first time somebody said to me, hey, you're supposed to tithe. I'm like, what is tithe? And they're like, well, that's where you give 10% back to God. I was like, you are out of your mind. Like, that's, that's way too much money. That's, I can't afford to do that. Like, you, you understand what kind of sacrifices I would have to make in order to do that? Like, like what, what kind of trust would be involved in that? Like, like, how I would have to rearrange and prioritize my life in order to do that? And again, that's why Jesus wants us to understand that generosity is a heart issue. Because in order to be generous the way that Jesus is calling us to be generous in his story and in the interaction that he highlights, I have to have a heart that's willing to sacrifice, a heart that's willing to trust, a heart that's willing to prioritize. But that's where generosity begins. So, as we wrap things up today, I want to do so by saying thank you. I want, to say, I want to say thank you because so many of you here at Faith, rather than build bigger barns, you have been generous. Sacrificially generous. You have trusted God and been generous. You have prioritized your life in such a way where you have been generous. And I want to thank you for that and for what that has made possible. For example, this summer past, we had the largest VBS at our church that we have ever had. We had 140 kids here all week long, every weeknight, just people teaching them about Jesus, investing in them. At the end of that week, we had 12 kids who had made a commitment to Christ. Yeah, it's exciting things. At the end of that week, we had a number of families who, the, VBS was their first exposure to faith. Faith is now their church home. That happened because so many of you were generous and helped fund VBS for that week. Or back in September, we had a group of folks here from Faith Covenant Church go down to the Dominican Republic and partner with Tammy and Hochi Hernandez. Tammy and Hochi are church planners in the DR. Their church is Talcomosoy, right? Now, our team went down there to do primarily two things. First thing our team did is they went down to engage in a construction project, right? And we can bring up the next slide for me, Steve. All right, so the way construction works for a lot of folks in the DR is, um, say, Janine's trying to build her first house. Congratulations, Janine. All right, so Janine's going to scrape up all the money she can buy all the building materials she can with that, build, and then wait until she can scrape up some more money, build some more, and then she waits and scrapes and builds it. And it, it can take years and years and years to complete a project. So this guy named Alex who's connected to the church, he scrapes up a whole pile of money for him, and he has a cement pad laid. And then our team and our church sent down money to buy materials for construction. And our team showed up every morning on that site, and we built. We mixed cement, hauled cement, hauled cinder blocks, and the people who knew what they were doing laid the blocks, right? 
here's what we got by the end of the week. We got all this put up here, right? I talked to Hochi. said, Hochi, how far ahead of schedule is Alex and his family? Four years. What your church did put this family ahead of schedule by four years. At the end of the week, we all kind of piled into the house here, and we went from room to room and prayed for the different rooms. I watched as this family just wept and asked, why in the world would people who don't even know us fly to another country and do this for us? I was able to say to them, our God's loving and generous, and we're just doing that for you. Or at night, our, our team would we'd pile into the church. Their church meets in a two-family flat, right? They're in this neighborhood where about 90% of the homes consist of families that have a single mom, kids, and no dad in sight. It's epidemic. And those families aren't welcome in church. Get your life squared away and then you can come to church. So Tammy and Hochi have planted this church to reach that demographic of people. And so the congregation would show up every evening. We would engage in these workshops. We would build relationship. We would invest in them, get to know them, teach them about, you know, like conflict and relationships and biblical manhood and finances God's way. And we just watched these. They just soaked it up. It was so good for their people. It was so good for our team. All of this happened because so many of you gave generously and helped fund this trip. Or last month, right here, we celebrated four believers' baptisms. Four people said, hey, I want the person I used to be before Jesus to be dead and buried. I want the person who I am now to be raised to life, to live anew for God. That happened because so many of you give generously and make ministry possible. Again, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Our church, the ministry that is happening is here, that's happening here, it is happening because you have predecided to be generous and you're living into it. So let's go back to the beginning. When it comes to money and stuff, what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of legacy do I want to leave with my life? What, what kind of story do I want my resources to write? So many of us, we go, hey, I want to be generous. And that begins when we address the misconceptions, when we embrace the right plan, and we choose to live into it. Would you pray with me, church? Father, thank you that you are generous, that you are a giver. As your people, Father, pray that you would meet us and that you would help us. The generosity that we have received from a loving and generous God Help us just to reflect that back to you and to the world around us. For those of us here today who are going, hey, I want the story of my life to be a story of generosity. 
Help us with the misconceptions that we need to address. Help us with the plan that we need to embrace. Father, help us to live into it. And Father, thank you so much for all of those who are doing that already, who are making all the ministry that we've talked about and all the ministry that we did not have time to talk about today possible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.